Alrighty. I was just up here reading the word because I've already seen those announcements. That, that alpha class is taking place over July 10th through the 14th during uh, VBS. Is anybody helping out with VBS? I was talking to somebody and they said, well, I'm not helping out with VBS this year. I said, well, when we're in heaven and I'm on a hoverboard and you're like, where'd you get the hoverboard? And I turn it over. It says VBS volunteer 2022. <laughs> and you'll be like, ah, I wish I would have done that. Uh, yeah. Should have did it. Um, I'll do this in my personal time. Let me get on here. I, you know what kind of sometimes stands in the way of, of uh, being able to hear a message is when somebody begins to, to speak and as soon as you figure out the topic, you're like, I got it. I already do that. And um, I believe the Bible refers to that as, as, as being deaf. I, I've spent many years being deaf um, to, to people speaking about the Lord. Do you guys have any sermons that like radically changed your life? And I don't mean just like from me, but like maybe they were online or something. And it's like you were able to grab a hold of something and actually incorporate it into your life. And it's like, but you have to be convinced. Like you have to like change your mind. That's why the Bible talks about repenting. It's like change your mind. And so like there's a chance that we might change our mind this morning. Isn't that exciting? So this, this sermon is called Gratitude Disarming Familiarity. And I would like to say that if I had to pick out what everyone... If I had to pick out what everybody's problem is in the room is, I would actually say it's familiarity. And what you've become so familiar with is how blessed you are by the Lord. And... Whenever we don't actually take the time to, to understand how blessed we are, we end up um, not being in a very good place. And how many of you guys believe that you've been blessed by the Lord? I don't just mean like just going, yeah, amen, brother. I mean, like your guys, right now, your heart is beating. It's working. Amen? Do you want to check? And check it out. I couldn't find it in the first service. Which means I need to lose some weight. But like your, your heart is beating. When was the last time you thanked God that like your cardiovascular system is actually operating? You know? And you guys like, you, you guys have um, all these nerves like that run throughout your body that actually control your movement. I mean, that's amazing. Like, is that not amazing? But you, you become familiar with that. You become familiar with walking. You know what I mean? Then all of a sudden, like when you get older, you have a little bit more problems with your knees and walking around. And you kind of take for granted for the fact that you've been like walking around on the earth for like 70 years. That's amazing. And, and there are things in the natural. Like you can walk, there, there are, I don't know how atheists do it, but there are like these trees that are in operation. They grow on their own and they actually exchange uh, um, oxygen with us. Isn't that amazing? There are these little animals running around. I have a little dog. He's amazing, right? I, I live in a house that has a roof on it. Do you guys know that? <laughs> I'm married. I have kids. I have a job. He sustains me financially. Yeah. 
And it's like, and in my house, there's this place underneath the house called the basement. You know? There's a backyard. My kids and I get to play back there. You know, and then there's this, uh, this church. You know this church has paid off? It's been paid off. You're like, what? Yeah, it's been paid off since like 2012. But that's still amazing. You know? And there was a time in this church's life when we could barely get the, the roof fixed, and now we're painting the outside. Isn't that cool? Yeah. You want me to keep going? My wife found these jeans on sale. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Everybody in here has clothes. You're wearing clothes. And like four-fifths of your, your wardrobe you, you're not even touched. That's how many clothes you have. Isn't that amazing? I haven't even left the natural yet. All this stuff is in the natural. Isn't that good? Then there's all this other stuff that like you can't see, but we believe by faith because the Word of God tells us about it. It's awesome. It's amazing stuff. And unless you take the time to thank him for what it is that you have and what it is that he's done, and I love thanking him for what he's done. No one can take away what it is that the Lord has done. He's already done it. And he's not changing his mind. So whenever, whenever we ourselves are trying to grow and whenever we're trying to help other people grow, we were talking yesterday about this generation called Generation Z. They're from 10 to 25 right now. And we were talking about how, like in that generation, I couldn't imagine growing up now. I couldn't imagine it. And the one thing that's going to be really hard is to have gratitude and to have patience, and to have perseverance, because everything in today's society is just handed to you. Some of you guys were alive when the microwave was invented. You know what I mean? And you were like, what? This is amazing. And some of you were like, I'm not using that. I'm using my oven still, right? And, and like, there's been so, much, so many advances in society, and like, um, like, and I was talking the other week about how like, when, I w- when I would wake up on Saturday mornings, like, it was like, okay, it's time to watch Saturday morning cartoons. And now kids can watch him whenever they want and as many as they want, right? And you might say, well, that's just cartoons. No, it's how society works now, right? And um, how many of you guys watch reels on your phone? Reels are like 20-second uh, videos, 10-second videos. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Have you ever watched so many reels that an hour went by? Shame on you. No, and that's and that says something. It it talks about attention span, right? And some other things that are going on um, in this generation. And then then there's the uh, the news media that's pulling you left and right. The news media that is only bringing forth the most extreme things to report on, trying to get you to believe that the most extreme things are normal, right? And and trying to get your attention. And. How many of you guys know about the Roe versus Wade being passed? Isn't that, that's, good, that's good news, isn't it? And so I don't want to downplay that, but at the same time, I don't want to, like, that probably means just more responsibility for society, especially for the church, right? So I was like, we really need to think about how we're going to respond because I'll, I'll tell you what, um, kudos to those judges for taking a stand. That takes massive courage, Okay. And at the same time, I, I want to say this in the right heart, and I don't want anybody to get offended. It is not about posting the right opinion online. It's about doing the right thing. And so, like, 
if, if we were to start like a diaper ministry where we're going to help single moms like with diapers, I would say this, that that'd probably be a good idea because I think you'll be rewarded one day in heaven for helping single moms who have children that were unwanted, you know? And so like we have to respond with action, not just a post or an opinion. Does that make sense? I'm not against posts or opinions. I'm just saying like it can't be that alone. And as a body, we need to respond. I would like nothing better than for, for um, unborn children to not be like, to have an infrastructure down the road that actually assists people in killing children. Like, amen. I am glad that's not there. And at the same time, there needs to be more of a response from the church. And I'll say this, if there was probably more of a response back then, that, that law might have never even come about. Make sense? So uh, I'm just going to show you the slide of the generations here. And, and you might say, well, like, well, why are we focused on Generation Z? Well, we're not going to focus on our own generation. That'd be kind of like selfish, right? We always want to be able to hand the gospel out to the next generation. Sorry that slide got a little bit messed up there. But that Generation Z, that 10 to 25, like we really, really, when it comes down to discipleship, uh, they're not going to like come and hear someone talk from the stage usually. But they, if we love them and earn their trust, they will listen to you. If you love them and earn their trust, they will listen to you. And you can teach them about how to have gratitude and what that actually looks like practically. And I believe they're, they're, they're willing to learn. And so uh, last, the other week we talked about um, uh, discipline, perseverance, and grit and how they're going to need help with that. And I'm sure we all need help with that. And uh, I talked about five things. You are responsible for you. Your discipline is your direction. You are blind to your own stuff. Uh, number four, know your own weaknesses. And number five, the way up is down. And we talked about humility. This week, I want to talk about gratitude. And I, I, I want to talk to you guys about it because I would say, how many of you have a goal when you go into prayer? Like, we shouldn't just go into prayer. We shouldn't go into anything aimlessly and just accept the outcome. Like, you should probably have a target, aim at it, and try to hit it. And do you guys know what my target is in prayer? If I walk out of prayer and I don't have gratitude in my heart, I messed up. I got distracted. You know what I mean? Have you guys ever, like, gone to YouTube to put on some light music in your prayer time, and then you got caught up watching reels for an hour? Shame on you. No, you don't want to do that, of course. No, you want to, um, if you can't, stop watching those reels. Don't even put on, the, don't even put on any music. But th the goal of prayer, right, is to walk out having gratitude in your heart. Because if you don't have gratitude in your heart, you didn't give him honor or thanksgiving, and you never got eyes to see clearly. How many of you want eyes to see clearly? And what you do in private is the most important thing spiritually. I want to say that again. What you do in private is the most important thing spiritually. And so, because um, one day what you did in private is going to be revealed. It's actually going to be shouted from the rooftops, right? How many of you want the shout to be, when he was in private, he'd get alone and pray with the Lord? Doesn't that sound good? When he was alone, he'd watch reels for an hour on YouTube. You don't need that. So there's a, um, a verse that I want to read to you. It's, it's actually a pretty exciting command. It's, it's 1 Thessalonians 5.16. It says, rejoice always. That word rejoice actually means what it says. It means to refine your joy. And you're supposed to always be refining your joy. And one of the problems that we have as Christians is we have a low bar. We think that joy is something that's just supposed to come now and then with good circumstances. That's not true. 
Christians are to rejoice always. Always be engaging in the Lord to find your joy and make sure that you have it. When David cried out, restore in me the joy of my salvation, right? That there's a place to see your salvation and rejoice in it, always. Not grow numb to it, not just be like, ah, well, you know, these circumstances, but to always find your joy. How many of you guys remember when Jesus was in the upper room? He took bread and did what? What did you guys say? He broke it and gave thanks. I was like, if you guys know something else that he did, I want to hear about it. But like, uh, like the Holy Spirit's revealed to, the, to this other thing that he did. No, he took bread and he what? Gave, gave thanks. On the night that he was going to be what? Betrayed. This guy's giving thanks. Do you know what he wasn't doing? He, he did not, there wasn't, if there was one night where he, you'd think that maybe he'd get caught up in his circumstances. It would have been that night, but he gave thanks, right? So giving thanks is one of the most important things that you can do. And if you don't give thanks for what it is that you have, you're going to miss it. You're actually going to miss the will of God in your life, okay? I told the first service, I used to be a waiter, okay? And before I, um, maybe my, my prayer life probably wasn't as strong as it is today, um, one of the things that I, that I typically do is somebody will often say, well, you smile a lot. Right? And I said, well, one of the reasons that I smile a lot is because if I don't smile and if I don't engage people, like, like I'm a mouth breather and it looks like I'm catching flies and I look lost. Like I, I, don't look, I look like I don't know where I am and I need help. And so when I used to wait on tables and I didn't have any tables, I would stand up against the wall like with my tray and catch flies and people would come up to me and say, are you okay? <laughs> like that. I'd say, yeah, what? <laughs> Do I not look okay? What's going on here? But one of the things that I have is joy. And how that manifests is I actually smile. And I do smile a lot. Because I actually, I like have a prayer life and I give thanks to the Lord. And I have a perspective and I understand what it is that he's given me. Okay? And if you don't have, if you don't have joy, you're probably missing out on a lot. Like I said, like Erica was here in the first service. That's my wife. And I said, could you imagine... If I, like, never smiled, would I even be married? Isn't that a good question? They have one up. You want to go on a date with me? (laughs) Yes or no? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, so some people think, like, well, like, smiling's not a big deal. It's a very big deal because it's actually revealing what's going on in the inside of you. Now, you can fake smile, but you can't do that all the time, Right? So, like, joy is, like, one of these things. You might say, um, are you telling me that if I don't, let me read the next line to you, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, listen to this, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. It's the will of God that you always find your joy, that you keep on praying, right, and that you give thanks always in every circumstance. And I'd like to put this forth do you guys remember what happened when Paul and Silas were singing in the prison yard the night before they were about to die? Did the will of God come? All right. Now, let me just put this forth once. What if the, we don't see the will of the Lord always happening in our lives because we're not always giving thanks and we're not always able to perceive what it is that he's doing? 
The craziest thing you could do is live in this world that was created by the Lord and that you were created by the Lord and everything you have was given to you by the Lord and not give thanks. That actually doesn't compute. That would be silly. Let me read this to you. It says, this is Romans 1.21. It says, for even though they knew God, he's talking about people who say they don't believe God, but he's saying they do know God. They did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their reasoning and their senseless hearts were darkened. Uh, a dangerous place to be. I, I think one day, um, see, God knows the root cause for why people are do the things that they do. And they're, they don't do these things because they have darkened hearts and futile thinking. They do these things because they didn't give honor or thanks to God. Does that make sense? So when you don't give honor or thanks to God, your, your, your mind becomes futile. You actually become foolish and your heart becomes darkened. And that can happen to Christians. Have you ever met a Christian who became foolish? Yeah, it happens all the time. Well, why? Well, you can go up to people and say, how is your personal devotion to Jesus for real? Well, I haven't had a lot of time. That's not true. That's the, that's, see, that's part of the foolishness. When people say, well, I don't have time, that's a foolish thought from your futile thinking because you haven't been giving honor and thanks to God. You have just as much time as Jesus did. And I think he was a busier than you. Right? So we, we don't want futile thoughts. We, we want to give honor and praise to God. And, those, and those, those futile ways of thinking in our minds will crumble in the midst of thanksgiving. They just get torn down because they can't survive it. They, like, so people have um, like thoughts. Like some, some people like are like, well, I, I, I'm, just, I'm just, you know, I'm not very valuable. It's like, well, I can tell you haven't been giving thanks because you haven't focused on the value that was spent on you to receive you into God's kingdom. You know, but if you would give thanks and honor God for what it is, that, that thing would come tumbling down. But people don't understand the power of thanksgiving when you're alone and no one's looking. When you say this, well, I'm going to seek the kingdom first, I wonder if anything would be added on to you and how much, maybe all things, would be added on to you. But like, I don't... I, but here's, here's where the rubber meets the road. Everybody, ears to hear right now. Are you ready? If you don't seek him, it's because you don't believe the verse. You get it? And you actually don't believe the verse, and you actually, because you haven't been seeking him, there's been these other thoughts that have been built up. They need to be torn down, and until you put them first, they won't be. In fact, they'll get taller. Does this make sense to everybody? But you must come to this conclusion. I remember a long time ago, I remember I was 12 years old, I used to read these verses and openly admit, yes, I want to believe them, but I know I don't because my life doesn't match what they say. When, when, when I remember I was, I was like 10 or 11 or 12 years old, it says, um, if you love me, you will obey my commands. I didn't say to myself, well, that's me. I said to myself, I must not love him because I don't obey his commands. I knew that I didn't. And it's like we must come to terms with some of the things that, that, that this book says and how, how we yet do not believe them, but at least if you had the desire, I bet you can get there. How many of you want to believe what the Bible says? 
by actually having the evidence in your life. Wouldn't that be good? And it's like, man, if you don't seek him first, if you don't spend time, set aside time, you are on your way to having a darkened heart and futile thinking. Does anybody want that? I don't want that. See, part of me, like, gets alone with the Lord because he's worth getting alone for, and then part of me is terrified of what I become when I don't. It's so, so good to, like, like, meet with the Lord because he is Lord and he's worthy. And at the same time, I know exactly what's chasing me into that room and who I am apart from him. Now, here's, here's this problem that we all face, and it's, it's, it's a pretty big problem. It's called the law of familiarity. It's this. It's that we become familiar with what is common in our life, okay? How many of you um, believe that some of the things that God has, his, his love is so consistent, his blessings are so consistent, they, it's so easy for them to become familiar? How many of you have been married, right? It's so easy to become familiar to your spouse, but it's such a gift, there's such a gift in your life. And the, what, what, what first attracted you to them, you can become familiar to their strengths. You can become familiar to what attracted you to them. And then all of a sudden, it doesn't mean anything to you anymore. But if you would go to the Lord and thank the Lord for your spouse and why your spouse is so meaningful to you, all those things come back to life. And you can see him again. So here's the problem in Scripture. It says this in Luke 4.21. He goes back to his own hometown and he begins to teach. And he said, now he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all the people were speaking well of him and admiring the gracious words which were coming from his lips. And yet they were saying, is this not Joseph's son? And he said to them, no doubt you will quote this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. All the miracles that we heard were done in Capernaum. Do here in your hometown as well. But he said, truly I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his own hometown. So there, there's this, this law of familiarity that's happening to him right there in his own hometown is that they have grown accustomed to Jesus, who he was. Have you guys ever like, um, like, like take, take me for example. It's, there, there's a familiarity with me, right? Or maybe you, you spend all your time thanking God for me. I'm not sure. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that you've grown accustomed to me. Right? To some degree. So it's not as easy to listen. Well, that's Adam Bauer. That's my pastor. I kind of listen to him every Sunday. But when, when there's a guest speaker, it's easier to listen to. Is it not? Right? Because why? Because it's, well, this is mysterious. Who's this person? What are they saying? Well, they have an accent. Where are they from? They must know a lot. I'm keying in on this. Right? It's just, it's just easier. You know, you can get familiar with Heather. I get familiar with Heather all the time as far as her worship goes. It's like, yes, yeah, she's great at it. There she is being great again. Uh, here's her greatness again. You know what I mean? But you become familiar with, like, the, the worship where, like, um, and you bring a guest in, and they're like, wow. Like, your worship team's incredible. You're like, I guess. But do, do you guys understand familiarity? And, and it can really rob you of what it is that you've been, when, been blessed of. Does that make sense? So 
I, I, I want to read this t- thing to you. It also says this in John 16, 33. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. So there's tribulation. Do you know what's, what's tricky about tribulation is that it's always fresh and new and in your face because you're not familiar with it. Like in this world, you'll have tribulation. So tribulation comes, it, it, it stands in front of our blessings and it blocks what it is that, that, that we've grown so accustomed to. So there's the will of God. And then down here is futile thinking. And I'll just call it a dark heart. How many of you want this? Amen? How many of you want that? You sickos. Right? So that's down there. So for us to, to overcome the world with Christ, because he's, he's actually saying something here. He says, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. How many of you want peace? It doesn't mean that you're not going to have tribulation. It means that in him you're going to have peace in the midst of tribulation. Because the next line says, in the world you have tribulation. But take courage, I've overcome the world. So we're in him, overcoming the world and its tribulation, and having peace. But how does that happen? Well, he started off that night by saying it. He gave thanks. So what ends up happening, typically, is, you know, problems come. And they, they're, they're big. And they, they stand in front of our blessings. And so you've been given so many blessings. That's like a crowd of blessings, right? But what's standing in front of that crowd of blessings are these three new problems. And like a loved one is in the hospital, and there's a problem at work, and your air conditioning unit just went out, and it's going to cost $8,000 to fix it. And it's like these three things are heavy. The enemy knows that they're going on. He's communicating to to you about them consistently, trying to get you to act like a weirdo when you go into work, Right? And so there's, there's only one way to overcome the world with Christ and in Christ. So here are the blessings, and because of the law of familiarity, they've taken a back seat. And because of the tyranny of the urgent, and it's usually with problems, problems aren't familiar, they're always fresh, always new, and now they're always standing in front of us. So like, well, what do you do? It's, it's pretty easy but you've got to be convinced of something. And that's, that's the main problem. I don't think we're convinced, and that's what I'm trying to do this morning is convince you. There's this, um, this parable about these ten virgins, and five of them have oil and five of them don't. And um, they, they have to stand there with their, with their oil lit, and they don't know how long they're going to be standing there. Five came prepared to stand there for a long time, and five didn't. I don't know what those five did, um, but I'm sure they were caught up in the present, not thinking of the future. Right? How many of you guys know it's wisdom to think of the future? It's wisdom to be prepared, right? Well, these five weren't prepared. Well, anyway, the bridegroom's coming from a distance, and they can see it because it's usually happening at night. That's why you need lamps. And they're out there maybe for like the third night, and on the horizon is a bridegroom party coming, and they can see it. And it's still a few miles off, but the bridegroom is coming, and there's trumpets coming, and they all stand up. They're supposed to light the way to the bride's house, 
and five of them ran out of oil. So five of them have to go to the market quick, get oil, and come back. They go and get oil, and by the time they come back, nobody's there. They show up at the wedding, and he's like, I never knew you, right? Not a good deal. But why did the five not bring it? Well, the tyranny of the urgent often keeps people from thinking of the future and often keeps them busy today. Have you guys ever woke up and said, I, had a, I have a lot to do today? You, you know, and, and it's like, that's a really tricky thing to say. Do you guys know that I never say that? I never say that I don't have time, and I never say that I've got a lot to do. And I never, I never say this, um, I'm just so busy. I never, I never, ever utter those words. They're not helpful, and you can actually form a stronghold in your thinking and give yourself an excuse for why you're not getting things done. Okay? The fact of the matter is you do have time. You have just as much time as everybody else. And trust me, there are people doing 10 times more than you with the time they're giving. Do you know what I say? There's a place for me to be more efficient. There's a, there's a place where I can utilize my time better. Those things will come out of my mouth. But I'll never make excuses because I don't want to be like these, these five virgins that got it wrong. Right? So this is what everybody in the room needs to do. To combat the law of familiarity and the tyranny of the urgent, and some of the people in this room are present doers, and present doers always have to struggle with this prayer time thing in which they're like, I've got to get going on the day. Is anybody like that? I have so much to do today, I've got to get going. Good job. I was just like hacking on those people so no one's raising their hand. Anyway. Um, the goal is, is you got to put these problems where they properly belong. There's only one way to do that. Do you remember when Jesus said, what if you gain the whole world but forfeit your soul? It's a pretty intense phrase. And this is what giving thanksgiving does. Those three problems are now in the background. Well, how, how did I just do that? Well, you've got to give thanks for what it is that you've been given. And I'm going to like list six things that I usually give thanks for. Are you guys ready? That is so easy to grow familiar with. Forgiveness. Guys, I'm forgiven. Is anybody out, out there forgiven? It's such a big deal that it actually required the blood of Jesus Christ to actually get that done. And then he washed me clean. And then I still go to him because him and I are still involved in this process where sometimes I miss the mark and I confess it to him and guess what he does? Washes me clean again. Right? Are you numb to that? Are you numb to the forgiveness of God in your life? Isn't it amazing? Isn't it wonderful? Does it compare to that annoying person at work? Which one would you rather have? Right? Does it compare to, to, to what's going on with the air conditioning unit? Would you rather be forgiven or have a new air conditioner? But you have to weigh these things. If you don't weigh things in your own heart, the circumstance will always outweigh what was given to you in the supernatural. Why? Because the enemy's real and he'll keep putting it in your face all day long. Well, you need to go and put your blessings in his face all day long and put those things in the background where they do belong. I'll tell you what else. I'm going there one day. 
remember as a young boy, when I read the parable of the talents and the fear of the Lord came over me, and I, and I said this, oh, heck no, I ain't going to hell. I'm not going to end up there. Lord, whatever happens to me in this life, I understand that the most important thing is one day that I be with you. Please help me get there and please help me understand how to do that. And you know what he does? If you seek him with your whole heart, you will find him. Isn't that awesome? I'm going to heaven one day, guys, and I'm going to be with Jesus. And I'm going to live my life for him so that when I see him, I'm not embarrassed. Isn't that cool? You know what else? He's prepared a place for me on the Father's house. Do you know why? Because he wants to see me every day. Isn't that good? Uh, it's getting bigger in my heart even as I tell you guys about it. And now like, I'm, like my eyes are getting like a little bit red because it really means something to me. And like what the, Lord, what the Lord loves about my prayer time with him is that I don't just thank him for it. I tell him why he did it in the first place. I don't say, well, geez, thanks for your blood. Let me tell you why you shed your blood for me. Because I needed to be pure to be in your presence. And that's exactly what you want. You want me with you. So you did everything that you had to do in me and on me to get me closer to you. And now, because of the blood of Jesus, I can stand in your presence. Let me put it this way. I take my kids out, right? And we go to, uh, we often go to the community aid. Because the, the toys there are really cheap. And Canaan doesn't know the difference. And Canaan's my six-year-old. Or no, five-year-old. I got that. And um, I can tell you the order they're in. I can't always tell you their ages. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, uh, and we get this toy, and we're in the back of the, of the car, and, and Canaan says, Dad, I want to thank you for getting me this toy. And I said, oh, you're welcome. He goes, I understand that it's not about the toy. It's about your love and how much you care for me. No, he didn't say that. <laughs> but how awesome would that have been? <laughs> See, everybody got touched. Isn't that amazing? No, he didn't say that. It is about the toy for him. But do you guys understand how I touched the father's heart by telling him why it is he did what he did for me? And I'm not just like flippantly going through Thanksgiving, but I'm actually communicating the why. Do you think he likes that? Do you think I feel his joy when I say that stuff to him? And all of a sudden, I'm getting emotional over my own Thanksgiving to the Lord. And it's just... It's just good, and it chases away a futile thinking. It chases away a darkened heart. It puts my problems way in the background, which is why I smile so much. And if somebody says, oh, you know, isn't, isn't the minister, isn't that a hard thing? Uh, like, I don't know. It's not. And uh, I, I, sometimes I hear sermons where people go, well, you know, in ministry, the sheep bite. <laughs> we all got sheep bite marks. Ooh, <laughs> what kind of congregation? I don't want to disciple them. Anyway, we're done. Let me just tell you one last thing before we move on. But like you just continue down. And it's like, Father, I thank you for the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit are a choice. It's a choice of spending time with you. And you actually gave me access to peace and love and joy. And I can be those things because I'm choosing you, choosing you first and I'm spending time with you. And when I spend time with you, I get to have these things in my life. So I thank you for these things in my life. And they're amazing. Holy Spirit, I cannot thank you enough for your patience. I can't imagine trying to mentor me 
through my life, especially through my teen years. I can't believe you actually stayed in there and hung with me, and you still believe in me, and you're not done yet, and I can't believe who I used to be and who I am now. And the reason why you're doing this is, yes, you care about where I'm at, and, and you sympathize with where I'm at, but you're not also tolerating where I'm at. I'm becoming the image of Christ, and that's why you're in me. And it's better that you're here than Christ be here. And I thank you so much. You're absolutely amazing. Do you see the whole air conditioner problem way back here? The AC? Doesn't matter, does it? Well, why? All of a sudden, I'm thanking the Lord for all these things in my life. And the problems take a back seat. And then can I, can I just be really honest with you guys? When we do this, God just says he'll take care of this stuff. But it's your job to push it back there. And I don't mean avoid problems. I mean weigh them in accordance to what you've been given. Does that make sense? My last concern for this generation is um, coveting. And uh, isn't it funny like when, uh, when uh, people only post when they're on vacation? You know what I mean? And it's like, well, I'm on vacation again. Check it out. Here are the pics. Um, it's just not a real thing. You know, like social media isn't real, but people like unconsciously begin to, to think that, that life is ripping them off. Look at all the fun they're having. Look at all the places they're going. Look at how awesome their life is. And I can promise you they have just as much tribulation as you do. They're just not posting it. And it's not about how much tribulation you have. It's about how much Thanksgiving you're giving in the midst of it so that you can be in Christ because he's overcoming the world. And that's my last concern with this generation is I don't think coveting was a big deal when I was younger, but I look at this generation, it's like, man, there's a lot of stuff in their face about how well everybody else is doing. And I'm sorry, it, it doesn't work that way. Tribulation is here, it's on the earth, and everyone's experiencing it. It's just whether or not you're giving thanksgiving in the midst of it or not. And so, um, would you guys stand with me? So I, I just want to say a prayer again that, that we would just have eyes to see the blessings that we have. So Father, I just thank you for the blessings that are in our life. And I just thank you for just being awesome all the time. You're so awesome all the time that, that we've become familiar with how awesome you are. And all the blessings that you've given us. Would you just please remind us to tell you why you gave them in the first place? And we'll say that back to you. I know that touches your heart. And I thank you for the prayer lives that are in this room. I know, I know that this is a praying congregation because I don't have any sheep bite marks on my legs. So I just, I just thank you for them, God. And I, I just thank you that for, for Praise Community Church. And I, I often thank that I get to be a part of this body. I thank you for your presence here. I thank you that for the testimony that's here. I just thank you for the character that's here. And I just thank you for um, all the children we get to steward. I just thank you for BVS that's coming up. And I just thank you that I get to be a part of that. I just pray that kids' lives would be touched. I just pray that we'd have eyes to see. If we haven't been obedient to rejoicing always, we just apologize. Some of us just didn't know that was the bar that we were supposed to hold. And Lord, would you, would you allow us to be able to see how we can give thanks in all circumstances and that in all things that we would pray? We just love you. Thank you, God. You're amazing. Amen.
Amen. Hey, guys, th- we still have just like a few kids that need some scholarships to go to church camp. If you want to do that, there's going to be people outside with an offering basket. Um, church camp is on Monday, so they're heading out soon. Bless you guys. Have a great Sunday. Thanks for watching. We hope today's message was encouraging and convicting. If you have any general questions for us, feel free to email us at info at praiseyork.com. If you'd like to sow into the ministry of praise, visit praiseyork.com give, and be sure to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date with happenings here at Praise.